Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet. Here we are. Episode number 224. The third video episode of the podcast, which you can get on Patreon for now. I am going to release these all public publicly um, once I get all the old podcasts turned into videos for YouTube. So that's going to happen. That's that's uh, in the plan. Anyway, how is everybody? Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, today, we have a great interview with the amazing artist, illustrator, creature designer, entrepreneur, Bobby Chu. This is a great episode. I just, just did it a couple hours ago, and um, it was a really great, fun conversation. We kind of had to stop it because it was just, you know, I, I feel like I barely scratched the surface on his career, and we talked uh, for a couple hours there. So um, he's going to come back on, but it was a really great episode, and um, you're about to hear it. Uh, starts off weird, too. <laughs> we get right into the weird stuff, which, you know, I love. Um, so, yeah, that's coming up. Um, what am I doing? What am I doing? I ask myself that all the time. Um, I have been working on getting mystery boxes done for my Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever sale. Got to um, get new product out because I... Uh, make a good amount of income, my yearly income this time of the year around the holidays. So I've just been kind of dealing with that. Same old stuff I mentioned before, finishing commission work, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Mm, yeah, and just marveling at the crazy world around me. Uh, so if you want to join... Go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety and you can join for a dollar and get in the private Facebook group. Right now, there's a conversation going on about what do we do for the website, what, what, which is uh, darkartsociety.com, kind of the home base. Um, and so everyone's pitching their ideas in. It's really cool. So if you want to be a part of that, you could do it for just a dollar a month. Uh, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash chetzar. You can also join for only a dollar a month. <clears throat> you know what? I know what, what's going on. A little um, sidetrack here, but this is new, something I'm thinking about. Two things, actually. One is um, a friend of mine's helping me set up a foundation.app profile so I can try my hand at NFTs. I'm going to give it a shot. I've been learning a lot about them this year before trying them out. And uh, the idea is intriguing. The more I learn about it, the potential of blockchain technology is just trips me out and is kind of exciting. So there's that. And then I also have, I'm trying, I have a dark art society, YouTube page um, all ready to go. And um, I'm going to start uploading episodes of the podcast to YouTube. And so I have to convert them all. Like I said, mentioned before, I have to convert them into videos, put them on YouTube and possibly uh, 
do like short clips, cut short clips of the podcasts um, for YouTube, you know, like other podcasts do, other big podcasts do. So I just want to get the word out there to more people. And um, and I think YouTube's a great way to do that. So uh, that's kind of one project that's happening in the Dark Art Society. I think I think there's so many cool interviews on the show that it just it's a, it's more people need to hear it because it's just it's too good. Not tooting my own horn, I'm you know it's the artists that make the show great and um, just really interesting interviews. I think I just think it's so good. So I want more people to hear it, more people to have access to it. So coming to YouTube soon, as soon as we get that together, and. Uh, uh, yeah, just trying to grow this thing. And, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now that we have the video podcast, these will be easy to put to YouTube because I have an audio version and a video version. And, um, yeah, I guess that's what's new. Okay. I'm starting to ramble. Let's go with the uh, – let's, let's talk about new subscribers. I think we've got a couple this month. Okay, we've got two new subscribers to the Dark Art Society Patreon. And that is Luna. Thank you, Luna. And C. Griffiths, S.I. Thank you for supporting both of you. You make it happen. Um, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Uh, you know, this video format is tripping me out a bit. I'm still getting used to it. Uh, it's a different workflow, but. I like it. I think it's good. I don't know. Let me know what you think. If you if if you are in the Patreon and you see the video podcast, do you enjoy it? I think it's good for you know uh, getting a wider audience and you know putting things on YouTube. That's kind of why I'm doing it. So that's it. Enough. Enough of me talking crap. Um, let's get on with the interview. Bobby Chu, super cool guy, really talented, and uh, great interview. Get ready for some weird stuff and some interesting stuff. And uh, let's just do it. I don't think I have anything else to say. All right. Enjoy the interview. Here we go. Bobby Chu. What's up, Bobby? What's up, Chad? Good to see you. <laughs> you too. Thank you uh, for coming on the show, man. I had such a good time talking to you last time on your show. Yeah, you know, like some people, some people, when you meet them, it's not very often, but hopefully it's more often than not. Um, it's, you can tell, like, if, if you guys were in the same room at the same bar or whatever, you'd be hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> chatting it up. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what's so great. I love one of the reasons I love doing these podcasts is you just kind of like, you know, aside from learning all these interesting things about different artists, you, you just connect with people and like that you would never, you know, we would, who knows if we'd ever connect otherwise. And it's like, 
just it's weird it's a weird thing when you meet it's kind of like people you meet that you that you feel like you've known already you know it's yeah, a weird thing in uh like how people say oh i was this in uh life yeah reincarnation I, yeah. yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm uh, reality is so weird that i just don't presume to to discount anything that makes sense to me in some way at least <laughs> you know there, there's you know aside from the idea of reincarnation you know there's ways of interpreting reincarnation too like if if everything is like this huge collective intelligence then we all have been every consciousness that's ever existed in this reality so it's kind of like we're all we've all been reincarnated as everything you know what i'm saying yeah i, I forget <laughs> which um which religion or whatever maybe it's maybe hinduism buddhism or i want to say buddhism but like i don't know where it's like um if you're at a kind of lower level of consciousness you may come back most likely as as like uh an animal or right like a bug like <laughs> right <laughs> something really low uh, yeah i i you know i i've 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 throughout my life i've kind of gone back and forth because my mom was kind of into that sort of thing reincarnation and and then it just seemed like no. And then it's like other times right now I'm in a phase of it kind of makes sense, you know, because certain people just, you know, you meet people and they feel like they're older is it's a cliche, but they're like older souls. And then you meet people and it doesn't seem like they have, they just don't have a, the same kind of depth to them, to their personalities. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I had a, a, you know, I have a friend where his son, I've known the son since he was like three mm. and he's never liked toys, mm. but, but if it was a gun, you know, like a Nerf gun or a BB gun or any kind of like super soaker, like a gun, <laughs> right? he would be totally into it. And he was always like thinking, I'm going to that's going to be part of my profession somehow. Wow. Yeah. And now he's a Marine. Yeah. Wow. What a, you, you know, that reminds me, I had a friend whose little brother, when he was a little kid, I think probably, I don't know, like five or six years old, woke up in the middle of the night. Oh, he, he would always, whenever they would go to like, they, they go, they went to a military museum and there was a military airplane and he was pointing to it saying, like I flew one, I know how to fly that, or I flew one of those. And, and at one point too, he had woken up from a dream or he didn't even, he got up out of the dream. He was still asleep and he drew this picture that was way better. Cause we used to all, all of us were kind of art kids and it was way better than he would normally draw. It was really like, it kind of advanced for his skill level. And it was a guy, a military guy getting shot and there was some kind of like, you know, him saying, yeah, this is, this was me or something, you know? So it was like really freaky. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we did our podcast, when I was interviewing you, that was like around the time of uh, Halloween. So we we're talking about some creepy right. things. And I think I might've mentioned, like, I, I have some stories that. Oh, that's right. Right. And that kind of relates to what you're saying. The guy got up in the middle of the night or something and drew something and, and it, it wasn't really him. 
right. kind of thing. Right. Okay. So I got one. Okay. <laughs> Whether this is true or not, you know, if there's doubters, that's fine. Cause yeah. there's a part of me that doubts it. Right. right. Okay. So, uh, my mom or my grandmother on my dad's side, uh, passes away when I was about 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and my dad has always told me he has his own crazy stories, um, mm-hmm where he said that he saw his grandfather uh you know at his place when he was about nine or ten just outside his place in the woods or whatever as he was walking home and the grandfather actually died like two hours before that in a train accident in another city wow right and so he comes in and tells his mother my grandmother and then when I asked her when she was alive, she said, yeah, he said it like very innocently. He wasn't trying to make anything up. And he said, when did grandfather get here? Wow. You know, whole conversation. So anyways, fast forward that to my dad going, Bobby, when it's my time, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to see you, Bobby. Don't be afraid. I'm like, when I was a kid, I'd be like, that's some, that's some scary shit. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. And I was like thinking, I don't want that. I don't want that. But <laughs> he was he was saying, you know, uh, if you ever see one of your loved ones, especially family, mm-hmm. after they die, don't be afraid. Right. Embrace. Right the the opportunity and communicate with them and uh and he goes if it's me ask me for the lottery numbers who knows right 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 (laughs) i'll hook you up (laughs) right so then fast forward i'm 16 years old my my grandmother passes away on my dad's side the one that my dad said you Mm -hmm. know the thing about the grandfather and a few days after I have this dream, a dream that I've never had anything similar to this before, because this dream had no background. It was mm-hmm. just black, like uh, Stranger Things kind of thing, the, the upside down world or whatever mm-hmm. it's called, right? And there's my grandmother. She's just standing there. And I go up to her. I'm like, Grandma, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry you passed. Mm-hmm. And she goes to me. I have to go. Right. And that's mm-hmm. it. I'm like, Oh, but like, are you okay? You know, she's like, I have to go. And that's what she says again. And mm-hmm. then everything I, I ask her, I don't ask her too much. So then before she goes, I'm like, before you go, grandma, what are the lotto numbers? <laughs> right. <laughs> And so in my dream, she tells me these six numbers and I think I get up. I think I I look over on my nightstand. I grab a piece of paper out of the drawer and I write those six numbers down before I fall asleep again. Mm -hmm. And then I fall asleep. I wake up in the next day, almost like in sweat, you Mm -hmm. know, going like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I look over on the nightstand and there, Chet, is a piece of paper with six numbers. I actually did get up and wow. write down those six numbers. Wow. 
right? So I put that in my wallet. I go hang out with, with a friend of mine that's older, uh-huh. you know, we're smoking cigarettes or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go to him, I'm like, Hey, uh, Mike, you think you can, uh, buy me a lotto? And he's like, cause I'm 16. I can't buy a lotto yet. Right. You have to be 18. And he goes to me, he's like, yeah, sure. Why? You know, as we're going to the convenience store and I saw it, I tell him along the way, the story is, like, oh, okay, whatever. Gets me the lotto comes out. Uh, and that, that's it. We hang out, we leave. And, uh, that night was the draw, right? Uh-huh. So this is after a couple of days um, after that dream, meet up with my friend, get the lotto. And then that night's the draw. Uh, I wake up super early, of course, because you have to, back then, you have to get the newspaper to find right. out the lottery numbers. <laughs> um, I get the newspaper. I look at the numbers. I compare them to my lottery ticket. And none of the match, none of the numbers match. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. You tried, tried. And then that night I go to sleep and it's the same kind of dream. No background, just empty darkness. And I see my grandmother there, grandma, grandma. And she goes to me, I have to go. The same kind of thing, right? And I'm like, okay, hold on. Before you go, why didn't I win the lottery numbers? I didn't get one single number. And she goes to me, that's because that money was faded for you and only you, but your friend bought a ticket as well. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And so I (laughs) go on with my life. Uh And then a couple of weeks pass. I meet up with my friend again. Uh, you know, probably smoking cigarettes or something. And, and, uh, I'm like, Hey, Mike, you remember that lotto that you got for me? And he was like, yeah, that was crazy. Huh? And I was like, yeah, you know, guess what? I, I actually didn't win one single number. Mm. And he goes, yeah, I know. After you told me that story, I bought a ticket for myself as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's crazy, man. This is the thing is it's like, it's crazy, but you know, almost everybody has a, at least one story like this, some kind of like unexplainable, weird thing. And it's like, it's just strange that it's not, it's because it's not provable. It's just considered people just go, Oh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's nothing because, because there's no way to quantify it scientifically but it's like it ha- it still happens you know yeah. <laughs> like i don't know if i still believe it right you know even to this day and especially as as the years go on s- sometimes stories feel more like like real like just stories right, right? yeah it's like yeah. did that shit happen did i <laughs> right. actually work on you know like uh what was the one um the blob you know and right. it's like you probably are like thinking i i know i did yeah but right. <laughs> it kind of feels like some fiction right absolutely you know that i got i have to say i have another story too now that's similar to that one and then we're going to get into 
your backstory and stuff. Cause we, we started off on this podcast on a like absolute tear. We don't normally get to the juicy stuff until, until the second half, but I love it. Um, but I, I remember when I was like 12 years old. No, let me see. He was maybe four. We were 14 years old. I was talking to my best friend. We used to talk on the phone, like girls all the time, just like, you know, uh, <laughs> um, just, we just, you know, talk on the phone all the time, every night. And um, one night, it, this is back in the day of call waiting. You know, this is early 80s. And um, he goes, oh, hold on. Someone's calling. And he clicks over. And then he comes back after a couple minutes. And he said, oh, that was my uncle, blah, blah, um, whatever. He just was asking for my mom. Or he, yeah, he, told, he said to say goodbye to my mom or something. And then we find out. I think it was the next day that he had been dead for two weeks and nobody knew about it. Oh. So, and, and he actually had to go to into the house with his mother to go see what was up. And he was there dead and, and he found him and oh, wow. uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that was, that was kind of like, that was his experience, but I kind of experienced it as well, unless he was just making it up, which seems he wasn't, you know, I just know we're just kids, you know? So that was kind of something we both experienced at the same time. Um, you know, proof enough for me that just reality is reality is just so weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, before, do you ever have any kind of go-to questions that are just like, you, you know, usually it gets something good out of somebody. Do you ever have any questions like that? Uh, for the <laughs> podcast, you mean? Like podcast or party? Like uh, this, for me, yeah. this was like a party kind of question. Yeah, I mean, you know, usually it's something like, you know, have you seen a ghost or have you ever had a weird, unexplainable, mm -hmm. like a paranormal experience? Something uh, along those lines. My my question that I would ask sometimes a lot less now uh, uh, is was there ever a moment in your life where if things just turned a different direction, just slightly one little decision that maybe you wouldn't be on this earth anymore? That's a, that, that is a great question because I can think of two times off the top of my head where I could have died. Like I was that close to, to being killed by doing something stupid you know, um, you, well, I know this is <laughs> well, like supposed to be my thing, but yeah, I'd love to hear. <laughs> well, one time the, both of them were just stupid. I, you know, honestly, I, I, it kind of makes me believe in, it sounds cheesy, but it kind of makes me believe in that. I have a guardian angel because I, mm. <laughs> or whatever that would be in a scientific realm when that, when that gets cracked and these things are discovered to be actual phenomenon of some type, what that's the only you know, it's not a very good term, but I feel I've always felt like I sort of had some kind of protective force or protector around me. I just have always kind of felt that. But one time I was climbing down, it was climbing down a cliff when I was a 15, 14, 13, just down. I lived in San Pedro, so it's on the coast. And there was these cliffs that was like, oh, this looks like, you know, this looks like, um, shouldn't be too hard to climb. It was a cliff straight down. And 
it was a really high cliff and me and my friend just started climbing. I think we went down along the beach and then we climbed up or did we climb down? I don't remember how we, what we did it, but I remember being like halfway down the cliff or up the cliff and looking down and going, this was a really bad idea. It was like, if I would have slipped just a little bit, there was no way I wouldn't have died. It was that high up. It wasn't like, oh, you would have broken your leg. It's like, oh, you would have for sure died. It was really high. So there was that time. And then there was another time where, where me and bored teenagers, 16 year old kids driving around the neighborhood at night, hanging onto the roof of the car. Like, like, like you're flying. It was insane. I like think, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. But it was like, we were driving fast and we were like taking turns, driving each other around the block. Like, oh my God, going like 70 miles an hour. So fucking stupid. I can't believe I did that. But at the same, and it's like, it would have just taken the tap of a break, a cat running out and someone and just dead for sure. Dead, you know? So yeah, those are, those are just two that come to mind. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I have probably at least like three or four. I would say that was a very um, wild, crazy, wild uh, risk taker. Yeah. But one was kind of like when you're telling the car story, it reminded me. uh, So I live in Toronto, Canada and yes, it snows here. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, one winter it was really snowy. And so, um, my friend's older brother could drive. I couldn't drive yet. And Mm -hmm. so he took out his car and then we put bungee cords, like not bungee cords, but you know, the things that you strap stuff down on Mm -hmm. your car. Yeah. I don't know if those are still called. They're kind of, are they the kind of ratchety ones? That you sort of ratchet tight, or, there, or there's like just hooks. Okay, just yeah, hooks. Yeah, 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 but they're th- and like a nylon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like bungee, right? Cord. So mm-hmm. we we put like two or three onto the back of the car. I think just like two, mm-hmm. and then one person would hold on to the other end and sit on um, a sled, <laughs> a, you know, for sn- uh, going down the snow, and he would drive, and we just that person would hold on for dear life and he would take turns. <laughs> but you know, when, when he turns, right, he turns that person behind him goes like this, right. like all the way out here. If right. there's another car coming oh, yeah. Yeah. during any of those turns, we would have got hit straight on. Right. Yeah. That's so scary. It's terrifying. Yeah. I'm Make sure it- like probably a thousand bobbies in like the metaverse all died right. at that moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It gives me like, when I think about those times, I just feel this like pit in my stomach. Like, Oh man, I came so close. And for, yeah. and, and for something so stupid and foolish, you know? Um, but anyway, okay. Let's get, <laughs> let, let's get to, let's get to the, uh, the, uh, the regular stuff first uh, and, and just to give people a background on you and your totally. history. And, and I'm interested in, in uh, your background and history and um, uh, yeah, your, your t- TV show. I'm so fascinated to know about how that I'm, I'm dying to ask you about that. Uh, but yeah, just everything. There's a lot of things I want to ask you, but so let's see. Uh, 
were you obviously you were drawing and stuff when you were a kid i imagine right yeah in in the genes ever since in the blood too okay uh, all right that's what my parents say <laughs> yeah and then yeah. were they they cool with it were they always supportive of it or how did that they're very supportive of it as a hobby okay right? and and um I remember my mom saying that my, it's either like kindergarten, grade one, two, something like that, something very, when I was very little, the teacher was an artist and said, you know, he's really gifted. You should put him into this other school. Mm. And my mom always felt like super bad about it because, she, you know, we couldn't afford uh. anything except for public school you know right, right. public school is free everybody can afford that <laughs> so yeah but um it's always been a thing ever since i was little okay i could talk right yeah yeah kind of thing so i, re I remember being um so young like i was drawing back i remember uh being so young that i couldn't express what i was thinking in words and i feeling the frustration of that like having those complex thoughts, but not being able to verbalize it. And I kind of think that that might have some, something to do with um, choosing to draw to, to get things out of, of my head, maybe, you know, because I'm still not good verbally. That's part of the reason I did this podcast is I was like, if I do this, it'll help me to become a better speaker and just speak more uh, fluidly in general. And it, and it definitely has helped. Um, but I, I just, you know, it's not a strong suit for me, like especially arguments or stuff like that, trying to make a point. It's like, ah, blah, 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 blah. No, so me I, too. Me too. My, like, uh, my mom still has this report card from like kindergarten that says, you know, Bobby is a very good artist. Uh, he's always first to get his juice. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was super quiet, so quiet. And I still, I'm still, you know, I can be, I'm very comfortable being not social really, you know, and just being in my own space. And I'm totally comfortable with that. That's why the lockdown was no trouble for me personally at all. Like it, so I had three weeks later, you're like, there's a lockdown. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, oh, now, okay. now everybody else knows what, what my life is like. Um, <laughs> So where were you born? I was actually, I was born in Taiwan. I was, oh, okay. I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. Mm. Uh, and then my parents, they immigrated over with me when I was about two and a half. Um, so you don't have any memory, I, I imagine? I have one memory. Oh, okay. What yeah, is it? Yeah, it's of this uh, penguin um, bath toy. And you wind <laughs> it up, you put it in the water and it kicks its feet. <laughs> And that's from Taiwan. That was that from was from Taiwan. Yeah. Oh wow, what a trip! Yeah, like two years old. I I don't have a lot of very clear memories. You know, right. I'm not like one of those people. But um, same. Yeah, I, I do have that memory. Wow. Okay. So you got you, and then you moved to Vancouver or or somewhere else. Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, we tried to move to Vancouver actually, but um, I think my dad couldn't find a job at the time in vancouver so we settled for a toronto so vancouver is on the west side mm -hmm. and then toronto's on the east is east that dish yeah east dish yeah it's that's close to new york right right okay yeah i guess like what 
super east is like Nova Scotia and stuff. Right. Okay. Right. right. I don't, my geography is not great, but um, no, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> so that's, so you, so you, you grew up, that's, you know, you grew up there. So it seems like taking you there at such a young age is a good idea rather than having to like assimilate as like a 10 year old or something that would have oh, been much yeah. more difficult. I imagine, you know, I feel like a tourist if I'm, you know, back in, in uh, Taiwan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Interesting. So, um, okay. So, uh, tr- uh, art kid, um, mm-hmm. were you in, you, you know, you're into creatures, uh, were you into kind of fantasy stuff and creatures at an early age or what kind of stuff were you? The, the earliest memories of drawing anything was, um, like underwater scenes. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, because well, first it was like I understood the wave <laughs> yeah, part, right? right. It's like all right, I got yeah. something going. And then it's the funny when you're thing, a kid, you you learn little tricks, and then you're like, oh, I yeah. know, I can do underwater now because I know this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then fish, they're relatively easy as well. Right. Kind of like an eight, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you learn to draw more complex things like octo, octopi, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, sharks, things like that. Yeah, but I, I've always been very naturally, like, I always gravitated towards, um, like, the strange and unusual things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Super Mario Brothers was a big thing for me. Uh-huh. Um, of course, that was a big thing for a lot of people. But oh, yeah. I think it was a big thing for me because it was weird. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these two plumbers. And they're throwing hammers totally at weird demon <laughs> turtles and stuff like that. It really is mushrooms. <laughs> you take it for granted now because it's so embedded in the culture, but it really mm-hmm. is like trippy, kind of psychedelic, mm-hmm. weird, very bizarre. Like who came up with that whole idea? It's so yeah. strange. People were tripping who came up with that idea, I bet. <laughs> Probably. Well, <laughs> This is in Japan, so probably not. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know, man. I know. I know. Tripping some, off of a different thing. Maybe. Know? Yeah, I know some artists, some Jap. At least, I know one Japanese artist who I'm sure trips, and so I'm sure there's some kind of underground scene there, you know. Um, but uh, and but a lot, you know some of some of the uh uh what are those those uh takea takea the the did the weird monster models in the 80s do you know uh i think or maybe 90s uh his name is japanese names honestly it's like it's hard to remember unless they're like miyazaki or something that you hear over and over over again it's there's two guys it was called what was it called Anyway, they 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 did these monster like custom model kits. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. There was another guy too. Both of these guys, as far as I know, just like kind of didn't make any money, but they at it really working in these cramped little spaces. And the stuff was just like totally weird, mind blowing, like monsters that maybe won't wouldn't seem that weird nowadays because we have so much in so much stuff and really influenced by guys like him, but 
you know, again, I remember seeing that stuff and I was like, these guys must, they must have, <laughs> they must have tripped or something. Cause this is so weird, but you know, not, not necessarily true. I remember when I worked with Clive Barker, some of the stuff he had written, I thought sounded very trip, uh, seemed trip psychedelic and trip inspired. And he said, no, he's like, no. I think he said, I tried it once and it really didn't do much for me. And I was, it's like, that's, you know, tripping just accesses parts of your mind. Dreams are as weird as any trip. So it's, it's really, do you have access to that part of your mind is, is the question. If you're doing really weird stuff, I think, you know? Yeah. And everybody does it when they dream, you know, everybody has crazy dreams. Oh yeah. I've dreamt that I was a creature before i oh really I a, yeah i dreamt that i was a dodo bird one time <laughs> wow it was okay <laughs> feel free to put your analysis in the comments everybody <laughs> let's take you on a trip okay so i'm i'm a dodo bird i'm fat i got little wings i could fly a little bit and so i can only get like maybe eight feet off the ground nine feet off the ground and there's these two guys after me uh, they're the burglars from home alone. And this is when I was like I think a teenager. And, uh, so I try real hard. I'm in this alley. They kind of cornered me in this alley. I start flapping my wings. I start flying up the building. I get to the top floor and that's the penthouse. And my dad's in the penthouse and I start squawking, start trying to get his attention to let me in, open up the, the window or the door or whatever. And I get his attention. He looks at me and he just stares. <laughs> and then I, I'm just getting tired and I start flowing back down. And before I get caught by the burglars, I wake up. Wow. <laughs> That's definitely some kind of strange insight into your <laughs> psychology at the time, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not too bad. Well, a dodo bird is like supposed to, it's like an extinct bird, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Shouldn't exist anymore. Right. Right. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Like feel feelings of, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure a, a psychologist would have a, a field day with that, <laughs> but I mean, all, you know, dreams are like that. Dreams are, are like that. Um, I've been having epic dreams for the last I don't know if I did last night, but the two nights before that, just, you know, those dreams that just go all night long and like tons of stuff happens and you wake up and you just can't even, can't even remember. You could just remember like the last thing that happened in the dream, right? Like, like a right. whole story. It was like an eight hour dream. I've been having those for some reason. I don't know why, maybe because of the full moon or something, but uh, yeah, that's a, tr yeah, that's a whole other it's crazy subject to tackle dreams uh, you know i'll tell you can i tell you another one yeah yeah <laughs> uh i'll leave it short you know um so i'm in a building i'm in my you know i'm in like the my home but in mm -hmm. dreams a lot of times it's not really your home but right. in the dream it's your home anyways i'm in a i'm in like a apartment building quite high up like maybe 12 17 floors up and uh, I'm on the balcony, just hang out, watching, looking at the view. And I feel this rumbling, right? 
hardcore rumbling and gets worse and worse and worse. And, um, and I'm like yelling to my wife, like, you know, babe, babe, what's happening? What's happening? My, you know, my wife is just watching TV kind of like the, the dad thing, like not really paying attention to me. Right. Right. Just watching TV. (laughs) And, uh, and then, uh, I'm like, okay, well, you know, trying to just hold on. And then I realized that she doesn't really feel the rumbling. It's just where I am. And the side of the building starts to crack and starts to separate from the rest of the building. Wow. Right. So now this like sliver, like a thick wall kind of thing is falling. Oh my God. <laughs> my wife does not know. She's just watching TV. It must be a good program. Right. And the thing's, <laughs> the thing's falling. And before it, it lands onto the ground, I, I'm thinking, okay, I need to jump off just at that right moment, <laughs> roll, you know, and then I'll be okay. And that's what I do. I, I jump off, I do a roll, the building smashes on top of me, but I'm in a section where it's like the window, right? So uh-huh. I'm saved. It crashes around me. Everybody <laughs> around me that sees this is like, holy shit. It was like this Chinese <laughs> Spider-Man came down and then he survives. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm alive. I can't <laughs> believe I survived. I run back upstairs and, uh, and my wife's watching TV still. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe what happened. And she's like, babe, you won't believe what's happening on this TV right now. <laughs> and that, that's, the, that's my dream. That's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. That, that uh, um, oh, man, I had a, a really, have you ever had a lucid dream to where you are aware that you're dreaming in the dream? Yeah, and I brought back machine guns to fight the zombies and the ghosts and stuff. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, like uh, I had this, I had this dream. It, um, you know, the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So I was like amongst the Ghostbusters. Maybe I was a Ghostbuster or whatever. And there's all these um, ghosts and monsters attacking me, and then I realize it's a dream. So. I go like this and then machine guns. Appear. Oh, how cool. <laughs> I start to. You know. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I had, cause I had a one, a really, I've had a number of them lucid dreams, but um, I had one that was so, so significant. Um, I, 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 I dreamed I was just like, I don't know. I was in this, like a hut or like a room, just kind of a room with like red light, kind of pink lights and red lights and just like an empty room with a person sitting there. And then there was just like people walking around outside and there was other little like how, how, I don't know. It was almost like a series of small huts or something or like bungalows. I don't know. It was really weird. Anyway, I was in the dream and I was like, oh, it's a dream. Okay. And then I was like, okay, I got to not get distracted. I have to just keep, cause that's the thing. It's like you, you remember, and then you forget, and then you go back into the dream. And, um, and I started doing stuff like 
flying around. And I remember there was a basketball hoop and I like flew up to the basketball hoop and I like ate it. Like I took a bite out of the back board of the, <laughs> it was like, just cause I knew I could, cause I was just doing all this weird stuff. And then I saw this person down there below and I went and I told them, I was like, it's a dream. This is a dream. It's not real. And as soon as I start talking to them, they turned into this doll, like, uh, you know, those dolls that you, you remember those, I don't know that they were from a long time ago. They're like these rubber, almost looks like a bowling pin and you squeeze it and the eyes pop out. It was remember those Yeah, yeah, yeah. just look like a simple, like a clown or something. They look, they turn into like that kind of a, a looking doll. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's because they're not real. You know, that person is not real. That's part of the dream. And so as soon as I like told them, it's like it made them turn into an object, which was really weird. And then I went to go tell everybody else in the dream. And as I was running to go tell them, I forgot, forgot. And I went back into the dream and just had a regular dream for the rest of it. But again, though, we're getting off on tangent. (laughs) I want to know about you. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay. So, so what was your, I mean, how, how was your career trajectory? Cause you started professionally very young, right? Like 17 or something. Yeah. I got my first job. Um, I was actually, how, how did, how did it go bef- up to that point? And then how did you get that job <clears throat> up to that point, And even a little bit after that point, I still didn't know that I was going to be an artist growing up. Okay. Because it was always like, okay, art, your art is great, you know, do it as a hobby. It's a Uh great hobby to have, (laughs) pursue other things. And so um, I was like 17, I get this job working in a warehouse. Uh, It's a company that makes toys for Disney, Pixar, Star Mm. Wars, all these cool things. Mm. And also you get the... um, the art department gets the style guides of all these, these upcoming movies, right. Mm. All this upcoming art that nobody can see. It's confidential. Right. It's like, that's the coolest thing ever. And so I, I would, you know, I only worked in the warehouse for a little tiny bit, like I want to say less than a month. Um, but ever since I started working there, I would start to, uh, go to the art department, the tiny little art department to have my lunch and learn this new software called Illustrator, right? And it was like Photoshop 3. What, what year are we talking? What, what year are we talking here? Uh, 17, uh, 95. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, layers was like the new big hot option function (laughs) in photoshop anyways i I learned it enough where there was a point where um i'm bringing in these uh toys that we fixed in the back for the art department sometimes they ask for these kind of things like what do you mean fix it you're repairing toys or something broken yeah like if if toys come back and you can repair them then you you know you should repair them uh, and then sometimes the art department wants these things for product shots, stuff like that, mm-hmm. for whatever they're going to be doing. 
so I'm bringing these toys. Everybody looks like they're really, really stressed, really, really busy, running around all over the place. And so I, I go to, I go to them. I'm like, looks like you guys could use a hand. Can I help? Right. And and the art director, she looks at the supervisor that's been teaching me, and he's like, yeah, let the kid try. I've been teaching him some stuff. Oh, how cool. <laughs> and so I got to work on, you know, on a computer, started doing stuff for them. And then they moved me from the warehouse to the art department. Oh, cool. That's how I got my first break. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so did you had, you, you hadn't, did you go to art? I thought you went to art college or. I did. So this is uh, after, right? Yeah. After that, I worked there for, you know, on and off uh, my off time pretty much. Um, cause I loved it, you know, uh, for, so at least I graduated call, uh, high school and mm. then I went to business school. Oh, wow. Yeah. I went to bu- business management. Um, that, that's a, probably served you well with all the stuff you do. <laughs> well, the thing was, this was business management, which means they they groom you to become a slightly bigger cog in the machine. Oh, right. Yeah. Not okay. how to run not your own a, machine. Yeah, not an entrepreneur necessarily, but more like a right. A manager that manages. Right. And the thing, yeah, my dad, he owned his own business for many years. So mm. I I would credit him for a lot of the business sense. Oh, that's cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I flunked out of, uh, you know, business school. I went to one exam, uh, took some pastels and painted a cat on an <laughs> accounting exam. And then I left. I didn't come back. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> so after that, I went to art school. Okay. Yeah. And how, how was that? Was that a good experience? It was good. It was great. It was a lot of, you know, it, it, it was uh, a lot of wonderful experiences, even the bad ones. A lot of times enough time passes and you're like, that's, that's pretty awesome. Right. You know, um, I didn't want to take any money from my parents for school. Mm-hmm. So that meant I had to also be very scrappy, mm-hmm. and conservative, um, yeah. So even those times, you know, you look back on them pretty fondly. I wish I had photos of, of you know, my lowest point when I only had a half a box of cocoa pebbles. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, uh, the lean years you're, you're yeah. starting out. Okay, so how how uh, how did you end up? I mean, where did you go from there? Where what what happened next? Um, so I went to uh, computer animation after attending animation at uh, Sheridan College, mm-hmm. or actually after I graduated animation, I graduated you know at the top of my class, but I couldn't get any decent jobs. Um, and I applied for computer animation. Somehow I, I didn't get in. So I went back to the toy company, did a bunch of time there, went back to computer animation, graduated at the top of my class again, couldn't get a job. Wow. Or I worked at a television studio, but I was the data manager. 
Ooh, that right. was rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was okay. It was okay. I, you know, I enjoyed it actually. What's a data manager? Well, what is that job in? So they give you these giant files that are coming in from like India or Ireland or whatever, like animation, right? Uh-huh. And you, they're literally mailed to you these hard drives, and the whole entire hard drive it might be like a gig. Right. And you, right. <laughs> that, that takes like an hour to port <laughs> over to the server. And so, um, yeah, so I, I just drew, I drew as the thing was copying over. Oh, so you were I, just copying files over basically. Yeah, it was great. I had my own room. And <laughs> I was doing all these drawings and then people would be like, oh, that's the computer guy. He likes to draw. Wow. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, back. I mean, you you know, if we're talking, well, we're talking like the late '90s at this point, or early 2000s. No, or? this is so. Um, went to college. Went to like art school. Uh, the year 2000. Okay. Um, and then did the animation program. Then did a year working and then back to animation computer animation it was like 2005 by the time i graduated yeah so so that's but the technology was still you know like something like that was a big deal to get a gig hard drive and copy it to a server just like all the things that could go wrong and (laughs) well yeah for the youngins out there at the time there were there were writable dvds I'm not sure if there were rewritable DVDs right, at that yeah. time. Right. Right. And you would, you can only write your stuff on there one time and that's it. And that was like 60 bucks or something like that. Right. <laughs> Remember, uh, what were they called? The, not the floppy disk, but the, the ones that were like so amazing. Cause they were, they were like thick. flash drive. No, or... before flash drive, it was called. Ah, I can't think of it. It looked like a big floppy disk, but it was like kind of thick. And you had to get a special little dock for it. I definitely remember Jazz Drive. Ja- Do you yeah. remember Jazz Drives? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember a lot of drives. There was yeah. a period where there was just a ton of different kind of drives. All right. I remember those were like a Jazz Drive because you could store like you know a hundred megabytes or something on it. You know, it was like huge. I remember the the company Alterian Studios that I worked for. They set up a digital department in around I think it was the late late nineties, mid nineties. I don't remember. And they they got a server with all these hot swappable hard drives, and each hard drive was a whopping sixty four megabytes. <laughs> or something like that it was ridiculous and we thought you know it was just like a whole bunch of them it was like a server full of them and it was just like wow there's so much storage <laughs> well you know like if you want to bring it back like before the internet before when you had the phone on the modem and stuff and oh, right. all that no noise yep. um back in those days you had bbs sites yeah right Right. And the pirate sites would have art on there to attract other pirates to, you know, upload their, their pirated stuff. Right. And so I did, that was probably one of the first things I did that I got paid money 
from a stranger to do art. Oh, and wow. Was, it was called ANSI art back then. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what, 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 what did you get paid for? Uh, to post a image that you draw yeah, or something. I, yeah. I just, I, I took one of these uh, Batman covers of like, I think it was just like Batman's hand and it, he's holding something. It looked really cool. And so the guy wanted that and I made the antsy version of it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hilarious. It's, it's amazing. I mean, 10 years from now, it's going to, it's just like, uh, it's so exciting also, you know, it's funny because it's like, I don't know. You might have a different perspective in Canada because you guys are cool and chill <laughs> and you're not all insane like America is, but you know, the sense here is just like every, everything's collapsing. Everything's oh. going to shit. But at the same time, all this new technology is happening. It's like equally exciting and hopeful. And, you know, you want to, you want to see it happen. And it's so weird to have just everything kind of collapsing and breaking down and then all these new things just like right on the horizon are even happening now, you know, with the whole metaverse yeah. and VR and blockchain. It's just like, what a crazy time to live in, man. I mean, really, it's kind of, kind of great if, if you're in a, if you're not like, you know, super poor in a third world country or homeless or something. It's like, if you are have an okay living situation, it's kind of an amazing time to be alive. You know, yeah. Yesterday I was watching that movie Antoinette, um, Marie Antoinette. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it was like Kristen Dunst says. Right, yeah, yeah, Marie yeah. Antoinette. I remember. I don't think I saw it, but I remember that. But just looking at that, it's like, yeah, the the poorest person in, or generally the like the poorest people in your area have it probably equal or better than marie antoinette you know because right. like right look at all the things we got and you right. know we have air conditioning they right. didn't have air conditioning and they suffered and right right and heating even was like a new thing central heating oh right yeah 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 it's a it's 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 a trip i mean I'll, you know you can kind of be poor now and have a cell phone of some sort and get on the internet which is really kind of yeah. cool too you know so it's like it's just it's just such a weird time to be alive it's just so weird <laughs> i think about it all the time like it's so exciting and depressing at the same time and it's just like everything it's just kind of chaos but any, anyway i don't want <laughs> no for sure i don't, don't want to get sidetracked again um okay so continue on your on your career path um where where did you go from from this point Right. So, um, you know, all my life though, like you probably would have guessed when I asked, could I be an artist? The answer was no. It was like, that's great as a hobby, do mm -hmm. something else. Uh, getting into school. Um, I didn't get into the program I wanted at first. And then I graduated at the top of my class going, couldn't get a good job. Couldn't get into computer animation graduated from that at the top of my class, couldn't get a job again, became mm -hmm. a data manager for a bit. Um, and so, but I kept at the art thing. I never lost 
uh, that direction that I was going in and uh, picked up really shitty, you know, little art jobs here and there uh, to the point where I was doing about eight hours a day at work and then eight hours a day at night. Oh, wow. You know, and that was heavy because you'd also have to commute and you have to shower and eat right. at some point, things like that. So at a point, something had to give. And so that was my job, my cushy job. I saved up enough money to you know support myself for a bunch of months. And so I ended up moving home to save mm -hmm. more money, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, kept working on my freelance. My brother, uh, he, he took over the family company uh, and hated it. Well, what's, I, what was the, what was the family business? It was kind of like, you know, before FedEx, mm -hmm. um, if you needed something moved, like anything from a computer to a helicopter or whatever moved from like Taiwan to here or something, then that's what our company oh, okay. would be able to do for you. Um, that's yeah. Great. So, so he hated that. And I said, well, you know, I, I didn't like my job either. How about we join forces and start an art studio? Oh, wow. Yeah. And also at the same, another um, thing that happened was after I moved home for a month, my parents were saying, they said, uh, you know, we are not worrying about you anymore. We know you're going to do fine. We know your brother's going to do fine. So we're moving back to Taiwan and we're selling the house. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I thought you liked it here. It's like, no, it's for you. It's like, okay. Wow. Whatever. Wow. Yeah. And so they, they moved, they moved and that became way more pressure. Right? right. So I got a condo in the same building as my brother and now we're just burning money. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and uh, Imaginism Studios is born. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But we had a plan and the plan was um, this is our plan. I, I was like, you know, artists, this back then when not every artist had an art book, it was quite rare still. Right. And I was like successful artists have art books right but they can they can maybe put one out every you know every two years every four years maybe every one year mm -hmm. well that's where our advantage comes in because we don't have jobs we don't we can make a bunch of books and we have just enough money pretty much to make four different books Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it, like a thousand copies each or five. Oh, okay. Yeah. A thousand copies each. And we applied for Comic-Con when you could still get tables pretty easily. Mm -hmm. So we got a table as well. So it's like, okay, our money is going to last a little bit past Comic-Con. Yeah. That's a bit, that's a pretty big investment with <laughs> a thousand books, a four, four, Four thousand yeah. or what two to four thousand books. That's a lot of money. Well, yeah, because you couldn't do a minimum print of like, you know, a few hundred. Right. Nobody was 
yeah, doing those yeah. kind of jobs. Right, right. So then we got the books together. We put together four books in one year, right? So every three months we had to finish a book. Um, <laughs> and this is just like, you're just creating artwork for the book, just kind of yeah. as like a promotional thing of just, you know, whatever I wanted to paint pretty much. Right? Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So I, I would pick a theme mm -hmm. and it's funny uh, for the people that know my art, because I asked a friend that sold books for like 20 years. I go, what are the good art books? What do people buy? And he was like, oh, for sure. It's girls. Mm. Guys buy girl art books. Girls buy girl art books, you know, books with girls in them. Right. Do a book of girls. And I was like, okay, cool. So my first book was girl sketches. But anybody that knows my art, like I'm, I'm not that interested with beauty. Right. <laughs> right. So my girl sketchbook is filled with like uh, zombie child, um, biker grannies, uh, these kind of things. <laughs> right? He said he probably assumed that you understood it was sexy girls, not just not just females. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I went to Comic Con with um, a book about girls, girl sketches, uh, cats and dogs sketches was the second one because I was like, well, people are either cat people or dog people. This one's gonna <laughs> sell for sure. <laughs> totally didn't do well. The next one, I was like, well, I gotta be fair. I did a girls' book, I I'll do a guy's books. You know, I was like, right. boy books, uh -huh. boy sketches. I was like, no, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, guy sketches. That doesn't sound as like pedophile-ish. Right. <laughs> so that was, that was my third book. And my fourth book was creature sketches. Okay. Which is probably the one you were really into. Right? That was exactly what I was into. So that one sold very, very quickly. And nowadays, if you find it on eBay or something, it, it's like hundreds of dollars. Wow. Yeah. So um, we go to Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con with our little table, all of our prints and all this stuff. And the first person that's really noticeable or notable that comes along is a woman uh, pushing her baby in a stroller totally unassuming and looking at everything, looking all confused. And she goes, what is all this stuff? Like, it, because she sees so many images, mm -hmm. right. And four art books. So it looks like we've been around for like four to 10 years. <laughs> and she goes, how come I never heard of you? And, uh, and Kay and I were just like, um, Oh, that's because we're from Canada, you know, instead of saying we're new. Uh -huh. like, oh, <laughs> well, smart. do you do art for other people? And I was like, we're like, yeah, of course. We're thinking like flower store or something like that. Right. Right? Who knows? Some, something small and insignificant. And she goes, well, let me give you my card. Gives me the card. And there's a little picture of the earth on there. And it says Universal Across, you know, <laughs> and it's like Studio City and blah 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 Studio Street or whatever number one. And I'm like, right. what the <laughs> hell? You know, she's already left at this point. 
And then another person comes and it's like DreamWorks and then Disney and then, you know, all these people, right? So because we we seemed credible, it seemed like we've been around for a while Mm -hmm. so they can trust us. Right. And we're refreshing a new, like some secret from Canada, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then afterwards we got to work on a Tom Hanks project, um, a project with, uh, with um, the guy that directed Mulan um, Mm. and a bunch of others like Jim Carrey and stuff like that, but none of them made it across the finish line. Oh, right. Because we were always working on pretty much like the very, very beginning. A lot of it was for pitch work. Right. And then, you know, one day somebody um, reaches out to us and is like, uh, Tim Burton is interested in you working on, you know, on a movie with him. And I'm like, what What movie? And he's like, (laughs) he's going to make Alice in Wonderland. I was like, oh, my God. That's like the perfect movie. And actually, I literally have been kind of wanting to work with Tim Burton. If you asked me which director would you Mm -hmm. want to work with, I I would say it immediately. I would just say (laughs) Tim Burton. And all of a sudden, this is happening. Wow. That must have been so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, they were like, do this test. Let's see what Absalom will look like the caterpillar in uh, live action. Um, and then I stayed up like 24 hours painted this thing. Cause you know, I'm new, I'm dumb. How long will it take you? Oh, bust that out in one day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I hand it in the next day. And then, um, and then they put me in touch with Ken Ralston, right? And Ken Ralston, like Star Wars supervisor, Forrest Gump production designer, all this. And he goes, uh, yeah, Tim wasn't really feeling it. And he goes, do you want to try again? And then I was like, hell yeah. Can I, can I ask my Kay, who's now my wife, but at the time, you know, um, it's my girlfriend. And I was like, can I ask Kay to help me? Cause I'm running on fumes. You know what I mean? Right. And also were you it doing hurt. it there or were you doing it remotely? No, no, I was doing it in Toronto, which wasn't a common thing at the time. Oh, okay. So you didn't even need to tell them really. You could have just had her help you. They wouldn't have known probably. Right. Yeah, true. true. <laughs> but You know, then I'm taking credit for somebody else's stuff. So I I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. Right. Right. And imagine what would happen if the movie comes out and Kay's like, Hey, I, I painted that. shit." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so you you got her on too. Yeah. Yeah. And stayed up another 24 hours, you know, and she was like, okay, I'll, I was like, you draw it, I'll paint it, you know? And then I took a nap. Uh, she got up, I got up, painted her stuff, handed it in. And then uh, they're like, okay, let's do this. Wow. Yeah. And they asked me, they were like, um, <clears throat> can you come to London? Right. Because a bunch of the work was being done in London. 
and uh, I was like, no, I can't. I'm teaching college. You know, it's like, <laughs> why did I just quit? Um, but I was like, I have these responsibilities. Can it work if I work remotely? And so I, you know, we, we stayed in Toronto. And so ever since then, um, if anybody ever asked, like, for us to move to LA or something, and I would say, let's work remotely. Yeah. And they would say, well, that won't work for us because it's back then. Um, I would say, well, it worked for Tim Burton. Can we try for a little bit? And they yeah. say, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's it's so it's 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 so weird that you know, well now now with uh, the the pandemic and everything you know it's it's people are it's starting so to realize yeah it's like a normal thing now but i turned down a job um i don't do a lot of film work now but what that uh what was it noah was it noah the 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 what's his name the pie guy gladiator no the, the, the dude who directed pie what was that guy? Uh, aronofsky uh you know was, am i getting it screwed i thought up? it was the the asian guy that directed pie i thought that, you know no. what? i don't know okay <laughs> life of pie didn't he or... do him no uh, i am didn't he Are be you talking he, about pie the symbol or something pie this like, that weird that was his first movie the, oh that, that okay, weird okay. black and white oh, okay. movie okay aronofsky he did yeah i was i was thinking of life of pie oh, okay so, okay 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 but he did a movie called noah or something didn't he wasn't it noah like or or was it some other biblical character with uh, russell crowe yeah yeah okay yeah yeah and so i got randomly called to work on that to do designs and they wanted me to go to new york and i was just like fuck no it was like you know in a, a day or two <laughs> it was like yeah. i can't just drop every i mean i guess if you're if that's what you do uh, that's part of the gig but um uh i just don't you know the only with there's it's it's i think it's kind of like a control thing you know they kind of want not saying him or whatever but production i think likes to feel like they're able to keep an eye on you if you're out there with them. Makes you know, sense. Uh, it yeah, sense. it makes it makes sense. But but when but Zoom, you know, now with Zoom, it's just <laughs> like this is the way of the future. This is the way everything's going. And you know, you if you're a production company, you'd have I would have totally worked on that movie if if they said, okay, yeah, we'll do it remotely. Of course, you know, why not? Yeah. Um, and that you have you know, productions have their their choice of everyone. If they go remotely, you know, you can you have way more choices for what you want to do. But I just hate traveling, man. I just hate it. I used to love traveling until this pandemic. <laughs> now, I, like thinking about sitting on a plane for yeah, extended yeah, yeah. Time. I mean, I like I like the adventure aspect of being in a new place. That's fun. I just don't like getting there. You know, I don't like the the it's just such especially it's it's really because i was i've been traveling since the 80s when i started working in the movie business like one of the first thing i worked on was they sent me to italy after like three weeks they sent me to italy for like three months or something to work on wow cellar dweller and these other total piece of shit movies and um 
but, but it was exciting and so cool. And I was 19 or 18 or something. And, um, uh, uh, and it was just, you, it wasn't that big a deal to fly like it is. And then after nine 11, it was like, everything changed. You had to take yeah. your shoes off, you know, all that. It was so much more of a hassle and it just never went back, you know? So, yeah. uh, so I just like, I just don't, other than road trips, I just do not like traveling and uh you know now with the metaverse coming everyone's going to be in the matrix eventually anyway you know it's going to be like some kind of weird virtual world where everyone goes in vr and does everything i'm sure somehow yeah it's sad that you can't go back though i know but you know i don't know (laughs) it's cool that you can you know it's just like mass communication is amazing even though you're you know doing it through a computer it's kind of amazing that just the idea that we can talk together in real time and see each other you know that's something you know a hundred years ago or whatever that was that was the kind of point when i felt like i was living in the future when skype came around right i could see the person i'm talking to it's like how the hell does that work Yeah, and it's you know, it's just like I was just watching those meta meta humans or something. You know, have you seen those that I know what you're talking about? Yeah, it's like a series. Yeah, it was. It's no, it's like a it's like a cloud based program that where you create realistic human figures for avatars for stuff that hasn't been created yet. They're like oh. di- digital humans that look so real. It's like they're definitely like in that uncanny valley to where they look super real, but there's something creepy and weird about them. And you could, ad- and I was just watching this this morning, uh, a video, just a YouTube video about it. And, you know, eventually it's going to be like, you know, you put on, you suit up, however it's going to be, whether it's like a chip in your brain or your vr stuff and you're just going to be we're going to be talking in the same room like this and it's like you're not going to really be able to tell the difference i think i think it's i think it's going that way i've seen some cool technology just because i i have the uh, convention lightbox expo and we did stuff online the last two years i've been looking at a bunch of different technology and one Mm -hmm. was a bunch of ar technology where it's like you um you have your camera on you point it to your right. living room and you could place the platform there and it'll beam up your presenter right so your yeah. presenter is presenting in your living room and- it's so cool <laughs> i just love that stuff so your your light box yes that's crazy <laughs> it's just like i put two and two together because i was watching some other interview on on you just doing some research and you were talking about this convention you were doing it's amazing it was in pasadena and it was like that was one of those conventions i kept going oh, i gotta go to that i gotta go to that i gotta Hell get a yeah, booth you there. gotta go for and it's sure. like it's like uh it's because it's a big thing now right i mean it's a pretty big convention we've been in um variety and hollywood reporter yeah, multiple yeah. times in forbes wow in, like all over the place um our our convention is sponsored not just um 
studios participating, but like sponsored by studios like Pixar, Weta Workshops. Um, crazy, crazy. Yeah, Disney, Netflix, everybody, you know. <laughs> and it's it's where you go to meet the artists behind your favorite stuff, right? your favorite illustrations, games, movies, whatever. Yeah. That's just amazing. It's amazing. You, yeah. You, you've got so much, so much going on. So it's okay. We've got, we've established how you got into the film industry. Um, so you, why were you just not happy to stay in, in the film industry? Cause now you've got, you've got a schoolism, which is like an online school and a podcast where you interview artists, you've got Lightbox, like Lightbox Expo, and you did, you know, had a uh, TV show or a, a, a Netflix. Yeah. Was it a Netflix series? Uh, it was, was a Prime Amazon. Video. Or, okay, Prime yeah. Video, yeah. That which is like that is the other thing I want to know. What was that like? Because that's kind of the dream, you know, to do something of your own that gets turned into a TV show, and it's like. Was it a nightmare or was it super cool or was it a mixture of, I always yeah. wonder if something takes off, like something I'm doing, like if the dystopia project <clears throat> ends up getting made into a TV show or a movie, it's like, what if, what if it's, what if it's terrible? <laughs> what if it's awful? What if it's like all these people telling you and changing your thing and it ends up being terrible or, you well, know, hold on to that thought. Right. So <laughs> um, how, how it came about it start? Yeah. How did that happen? Right. So how it came about, this is when we have Imaginism Studios and we have the online school, schoolism.com, which was, as far as I know, the first online art school in the world. Really? Yeah. That must have been difficult to do (laughs) if it's the first one. That was actually super simple because there was no other choice you know oh, okay so, but i mean just implementing how to do something like that when it hasn't oh, yeah. been before like, you have no idea <laughs> same with all these other ones right right and so um anyways i'm i have some friends that came that i went to school with they moved to the uk uh, for like 10 years then they came back um to toronto one to live here, the other one to visit or something. And so I had them over at my place and we're just chatting about um, what they've been doing. And what they've been doing is like mostly just creating pitches, selling the options for them, and then being depressed because they're never made. Right. That's what I I hear about. I know, I know I have friends who have options on projects and for like 10 years, 15 years going on. And they'll keep rebuying it. It's like, Hey, yeah, sit on this idea. Exactly. So I share, like, can I? We share our stories because we've sold, um, you know, IPs before, and they never got made, or they got messed with so much. By the time they give it back to you, you're like, "What is this? You don't recognize your own baby, right?" right. <laughs> um, and so we start sharing these kind of war stories, and and then. And then I, I go to them. I'm like, you know what? Now with this new thing, the iPad, you know, uh, now we can make our own, our own thing as an app 
and put it out there in the world. Nobody's messed with it yet. It's in its purest form. It's in the intention of the creators. And then the world can choose whether or not this is a good idea or bad idea. Right. And then so they go, that's an amazing idea. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I guess we'll have to do it. Right. (laughs) And so we spend like two years, uh, weekends, late nights working on this thing about a, a boy that is meant to grow up to be trained to become the protector of the world. And that's what his dad did and mm-hmm. so on and so forth and his mom and stuff like that. Um, but something happens when he's 10 years old and uh, he needs to save the world now. But all he has is his, is this heirloom that was passed down to him that he doesn't even understand how to really use. Mm-hmm. It's the sword of light. Um, and so it's the, the story resonates with us because it's like a lot of the opportunities that we're given in life, it's never when we're ready for them. Oh, right. hundred percent. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's rare. It's Mm -hmm. rare. So that's the inspiration behind the, um, that's a cool idea. It's, it's a cool, yeah. And it was also check this out. So it was also during a time, this is like, this is in the teens, 2000, you know, 13, 14 or something like that. When we first came up with the idea and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have, I, I try to think about what, the, what's this decade about, you know, what makes this decade different from the other decade and this and that. And I was thinking that, 2010 to 2020 is going to be all about heroes. Mm. Right. Wow. Uh, It's like, why? Um, (laughs) Well, this is before all the Marvel craziness. There was Iron Man. That was it. (laughs) But even without Iron Man, the thought behind it was because of social media, social media shows, you know, shows uh, Justin Bieber farting. It shows, j-lo you know tripping or whatever right. it shows all of your heroes your would-be heroes and pokes holes in all of them right shows that they're right? just human so now we're living in a time where we don't actually have that pure hero anymore. right and so where will people go for their heroes because we've always had heroes right from, you know back to like zeus and stuff like right, that. right right it's part of the human need exactly so right. if we would Back then, we would go to stories for our heroes. Now, our stories are shown on the the big screen. Right. So whatever I was to do, like, um, during that decade, I would try to attach myself to uh, projects that were about heroes. And so in this case, we made our own hero. That's very insightful. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you kind of predicted it. Yeah, and so, um, but it, it gets kind of even cooler because after two years of our off time working on this thing, our own money being put into this thing because we have to make an app now, mm-hmm. right? Um, what was the idea? The app's going to show the the, <clears throat> the show the, the the like a streaming app for this so we're gonna, one we're show gonna, kind of. 
right? That wouldn't do well, right? <laughs> right, that wouldn't do well. So instead, we go, yeah, that's not going to do well. Let's make an animated comic book. Oh, cool! Right. So there were some animated book kind of things on the iPad, but it's all like symbol animation. There、mm. was one that was really well done. Um, which was computer animation, but there's nothing that was 2D like traditional animation,、mm. and that was perfect because we wanted that. We wanted a child to feel like their book is coming to life. The drawings are coming to life. Right. Right. So you need drawings on there. You don't want、right. like CG models and stuff. And so every panel you touched on the panel, and it would come to life with sound animation. Voice, everything. That's so cool, right? And it was the first of its kind as well, of a、yeah. traditionally animated, you know, hand-drawn animation comic book.、Um, and then we are ready to release it into the world. You have to get approval from Apple first, and the iTunes、right. store, or whatever. We get that approval. We hit a, you know, launch it, and it's crickets, Chad. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. There's like no sales,、um, and then we're like, okay, let's work harder. And we, at this point, we're expecting some sort of bumps in the road. So everybody's ready. We're still positive. We keep moving forward. It's what we're expected. And so、um, after, I think like maybe a week and a half or two weeks,、uh, I get this email. And it's from this guy that says、uh, that he's in charge of the app store, you know, globally, globally,、mm-hmm. because there's a person in charge of every country's app store,、mm-hmm. and this、okay. guy was like the guy that wore the ring that controlled them all, kind of thing, right? <laughs> and he's like, I, I gotta tell you, my, my. Uh, son is a big fan of your comic book. Wow! And he goes, I see that you put in a, a like a thing to approve an update for your app.、Uh, I suggest you do that immediately. Right? It's、mm-hmm. it's been approved. Launch it immediately. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. And so、um, I go to the app store, and I see the banner. Across the freaking app store says Nico and the Sword of Light, my comic book, our you know <laughs> our our comic book. I'm like, oh my god! And then you could go to the site called App Annie.、Uh, I don't know if it's still around, but you can find out your the rankings of your app.、Mm-hmm. So we look there and we see our app is featured, right? Featured in. America, in Canada, in Germany, in like India, in like all these giant markets. Wow. Yeah, and then we're in number one in all those countries now. And then by the end of the week, we were like featured in like twenty-one countries or something like that.、Whoa. And then we were number one in our category for over thirty countries. And then everybody started to call. You know, like, amazing, right? And going, your comic book should be a TV show. It should be a movie. Guess what, Chet? Like, if you add up all <laughs> the 
the duration of all of the animation, it just happened to add up to 22 minutes. Right. <laughs> right? And it's like their brilliant idea. I got an idea. It should be a TV show. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good idea. I never thought of that. You know? And, and so we ended up with Amazon because we were thinking, okay, Amazon's really starting to get, you know, crazy with the, uh, the streaming. Mm. Uh, they also sell a ton of stuff and we're just hoping that it would be like, okay, this TV show, you like it. You could click on a button, buy some merch, whatever. Unfortunately, I think we're a little bit too ahead of right. the time or whatever. So mm -hmm. that didn't happen, but our show, um, got a pilot you know we signed a deal we developed a pilot and there's five or six other pilots uh that were developed at the same time and we're all pitted against each other hmm. right so the the show that won was about these talking trucks you know <laughs> it's like yeah that's the hit uh <laughs> Hey, it might have been a great movie, but I felt like, you know, it's because of cars or yeah, something like that. Totally, totally. And so our, our show gets shelved, right? But the people, the studio that made the show, that produced the show, Titmouse Animation, bless their hearts, they applied, they they sent in the the pilot episode for the daytime Emmys. Oh wow. Yeah, and then we got nominated for best children's programming right. for that year just from the pilot, which that's never happened where the pilot won. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. And so we were the first. Wow. Amazing. So we won the Emmy. Um, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know what? We're greenlit. <laughs> right. And yeah. so we do the we do the first season. The second season also gets nominated for the same thing. Uh, yeah, so it was a great ride. Wow. So, I mean, when this is happening, did, did you get an entertainment lawyer? And, you know, because there's, there's so much that, you know, there's so many stories of people getting ripped off and just not getting paid. And, you know, it just, it seems scary. Like you need to start, I don't know. Well, we did get a lawyer for like a specialized lawyer for, signing the deal with uh, Amazon because mm. we wouldn't take the standard deal. Mm. This was the other great thing. We didn't make a pitch and then pitch it to them. Right. right? They were coming we to you. So then something. you were able to kind of like set your terms. Yeah. And we have numbers, right? right? This was number one in such and such, you know, how many different countries and how many different downloads and all this like crazy right. numbers. We're not signing that standard contract. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> right. And so we put it out there in the app store because if we sold this idea, we didn't want people to mess with it. Right. And, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, can you put in this dog in there and a turtle? Right. Yeah, whatever? yeah, yeah. That that's that's another thing I wanted to ask is did was that part of the deal you had full creative control on on the the uh no, we we didn't um you or know, you just got lucky that they didn't screw it up or what? <laughs> well, I feel like it was a good partnership. We we lucked out with the person, the executive that we got. Um mm -hmm. 
her and I, we've exchanged you know messages and things like that over the years, but just never found a good opportunity to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was great. Um, but I think the main thing was, do you want to be the person that makes that decision to put some owl in there when this thing as an app, it's a hit. Right. It's already, yeah. Don't it, it right. Yeah. If it ain't broke, you put in enough things in there. I'm blaming you. Yeah. Right. right? Everybody's blaming you. <laughs> and that's what executives are really good at avoiding. Yeah. Blaming, <laughs> right. So I think that really helped. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the key to the success really is doing it yourself the way you wanted to see it and then getting the numbers on your own and having them come to you rather than if you go, you know, if you had gone to pitch to them and they said, okay, then it would have been, you would have had to sign the shittiest deal possible. Cause it's exactly, like, exactly. And I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta mention uh, Rob Hoagie. He was, he was the showrunner that was brought in uh, the writer showrunner. I didn't want to showrun it. You know, I have other things I got to right. do. I can't stop everything and just do this. Right. Um, yeah. And so he's awesome. And he really is one of the creators of the show as well. That's great. So you, you were hooked up with good people too. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, and he's worked in the, the business for many years before that. And that was his first Emmy. So that's great. Oh, how cool. Wow. So amazing. And this was how many years ago that, that this had its run? Um. I want to say 2016 was the year we got our Emmy. So that was the, you know, the first season. Crazy. <laughs> so <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> I mean, what, and then did that lead to other projects like that, that you're trying to do, or is it just, or have you changed? You have so much going on between your, your own st- art studio and your own career. And I know you mentioned talk doing like, commission paintings and running an online school and having this conv- light box ex- ex- light box expo it's people like, have asked people that, have asked like are you, are you working on anything else you got anything else you want to pitch this and that I'm like i i do have some stuff but it's half baked i it's not ready to pitch yet um <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool <laughs> you're just like mm, get back to me later maybe i'll have something together for you <laughs> i'm too busy for you right now <laughs> it's totally probably not the best thing probably not the best answer and i don't know anything. i sometimes that kind of you know if you're so in demand that you most people would be like yeah let me get you know it, it's it's totally like this weird zen kind of thing about being not in a position to where you're begging someone but they're yeah. asked they, they're in the position of asking you and you're doing something for them that's, well, that's kind of like that's the ultimate that's something i mentioned before to like the newer kids it's like don't be that desperate dude at the uh, high school dance that asks every girl to right. dance yep <laughs> be the popular girl in that dance she doesn't ask anybody. She just right. works on herself, works on her own shit, and people come to her. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, that's it's so much like the industry, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how that's how you get in a position of to where you can, you know, get get the best deal for yourself. 
I, I think even on like a <clears throat> cosmic level, this is the way to approach life in a way, you know, like even on the sort of, you know, I don't want to say spiritual level, but it's like, I've, I've often said that, um, you know, in my, my deep thoughts, <laughs> I mean, I, I, not like it's some great realization, but I, I've equated it before to like, you know, if you're interacting with the universe, with reality, um, it, it, trying to manifest, manifest your dreams into reality, what you want your life to be, you don't, you approach it like you would. Um, and I'm a man, so I'm, I'm taking this from a, a man's perspective. I'm a heterosexual man, so I'm equating it to a man and a, and a, a woman. So it's like if you're <clears throat> if you're wanting to impress this woman or you know get her to like you, you don't act desperate. You don't get too clingy. You don't come on too strong. It's like there has to be a like an, an attitude of confidence to some degree and and not desperation because like nobody finds desperation attractive in yeah. any situation really you know so especially money or success right they do not like <laughs> that kind of shit at all right right so yeah exactly so that's how, that's how i say it like on almost like on a cosmic level like treat the treat the the universe as a you know, a mate you are trying to not seduce, but trying to get to, to, to be, uh, to become attractive to it's like, don't approach the universe in a desperate graspy whiny way. It's like, you have to kind of play that, play that same, same kind of game a little bit with the universe in order to get a, a prop, a good response. On like totally. this kind of cosmic level, it, it totally is like some sort of cosmic or some sort of natural kind of yeah, thing. like a principle, like a underlying principle kind of thing. Yeah, and that's and and it's like you, you know laws of attraction, right? Right? Yeah, and it's like you, um, you know, looking at your success. You've had. You're how old are you? You're young, right? I, I'm uh, forty young. something. Okay, at this point. Yeah, so you're you're. Yeah, youngish. Yeah, yeah, that's still youngish. That's it's young to me. <laughs> yeah, I just turned fifty-four. But um, or your uh, marker keeps going further and further out. Right. <laughs> the older you get, the older the the younger old is, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But but um, you know, you've accomplished a lot, a lot of different things, and um, and the way that you were able to get this show done, I'm I'm thinking that you probably have had this kind of attitude for all these different projects you've been able to manifest with, you know, not this total, as much as you're like, it seems like you, you've busted your ass and worked hard, but you don't seem like a desperate kind of person. No, I don't think you get that kind of success being desperate and grasping, you know, that's what they say in, in, uh, in, uh, in Zen Buddhism, or I don't know if it's just, just buddhism in general is like no grasping grasping don't grasp <laughs> it's like the worst thing you can do it's all about letting go you know um so i imagine you've kind of taken that approach with like all of your projects because you you're so successful with them i for me it's always been about um put your effort into 
things that make you more attractive, you know, more helpful, more useful, and uh, and try to get into that mode of being able to play the long game. Right. And not everybody's able to play the the long game, but right. the faster you put yourself into that kind of a position, the more you'll see like it it all kind of comes together right uh so well yeah 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 that's that's uh often i'll say you know um you know especially especially in fine art it's like even more true it's like you know you might get lucky and and be making money in a couple years maybe but probably it's gonna be like a 10 year 15 year Mm-hmm. 20 year thing before it starts to really you know pan out in a way that you're imagining so but you know that's that's why everybody doesn't do it because it takes a long time well uh yeah I, it does take a, a certain kind of person a certain kind of personality perhaps yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah Wow, that's that's it's it's interesting and and so impressive. Um, what's so what's like what's going on now? I mean, we're getting to like, you know, it's been we're almost we at at the two hour point, and I don't want to keep you all day, but um, yeah, uh, I probably got to go soon. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but what what's um, what's new? What's the next thing for you? Exciting stuff for me right now is um is some. So there's one that I, I I'm part owner of this uh, software company. It's called <laughs> another crazy thing. Jeez. <laughs> so it's called uh, magmastudio.io. Okay. Right. And if if or .com, if people go to magmastudio.com, they'll find a free software program there. They don't need to download it. It's all browser-based. So even if you have the shittiest laptop in the world, the shittiest computer that <laughs> like a Chromebook can only, it can't install programs, Right. you can use this art program oh, and cool. you can do professional level work. I've done professional level work on this program. So you do not need any other art program if you don't have access, you know, um, it's for free. You can pay a subscription and then you get, you know, uh, other features and things like that. Uh, but if you don't want to, that's fine. You could, you know, uh, use it for free and you can paint with up to 30 people at the exact same time on the exact same canvas. Wow. Right. That's like crazy. no lag, right. You, you can literally, if you have the subscription, you could talk to each other through the program as well. That's amazing. Right. So think about when we used to go, go uh, drinking and drawing mm-hmm. uh, during yeah. these conventions and stuff, you could literally drink and draw kind of thing on the same computer almost, right? Like on the same document. Um, wow. Yeah. And so our hopes for that is that it'll give especially underserved communities, underserved kids, things like that, uh, equal standing to be able to, you know, work on their digital art, uh, 
before they can afford a beautiful Cintiq monitor and all this other stuff. Because you could use this on your phone, even any device that connects to uh, the internet. That's amazing. So that's kind of like the thing you're focusing on right now is... is... And yeah, there's there's one other little thing. So um, I'm an advisor for this uh, nonprofit, this new nonprofit is called the, the superhero project. Um, it, it, so we, we gather uh, families, we gather kids with serious illnesses, sometimes terminal illnesses, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, we pair them up with professional artists, like some of the best in the world, like Ian McKegg has joined us before and stuff like that. And so the child would come up with a superhero idea, right? Like uh-huh. insulin woman. And right. so she shoots little needles into all the kids that need their insulin that kind of thing. Wow. And then the artist would create that for them. Oh, it's so cool. Right. And it just gives them, uh, you know, uh, good, good vibes and things yeah. to shoot for and stuff like that. That's amazing. So it's called a uh, superhero project. Super- wow. Wow. So yeah. And it just never ends with you. <laughs> you Hopefully got- it does. Hopefully it does. <laughs> <laughs> you get so much stuff going on. It's so yeah, I gotta impressive. stop taking new stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I hear you. Believe me. Wow. Well, I'm gonna. I hopefully I could have you on again because I there's so many more things. I mean, we hardly talked about your art. Even there's so many different things that I didn't even get to. So um, hopefully you can come on in the future again. We'll do another podcast. We'll get- I'd be happy to. I'd be oh, happy to. Excellent. Uh, last thing, if you don't mind, the schoolism, if this is, if this is playing, um, November 29th or later, Mm -hmm. uh, schoolism is having an, a wicked awesome sale right now. Um, it's our winter sale. We only have two sales a year, uh, with schoolism. When you subscribe to schoolism, it's kind of like Netflix for artists you get access to everything on schoolism, all the courses. That's awesome. Uh, um, except when you binge these videos, you know, it's really good for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and so usually uh, you can pay for an entire year. Well, you, you could always pay for an entire year right now. If you go to schoolism, you'll save over 30% off. If you subscribe for a year, that's Excellent. a lot. That's great. And, and there's tons of amazing stuff on there too. Uh, amazing t- teachers and classes. So shit, maybe I'll do it. Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> cool. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. Okay. So I, I've got you on tape. We're on video saying that you're going to come back on. So I'm going to hold you to that um, so we can go more. Cause like I said, I, I could definitely keep going for another uh, two hours. So um yeah, super great to have you on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Very interesting, excellent conversation. Amazing work you're doing. I'm totally impressed with everything. And, you know, like, like I said, we didn't even touch on your art, which is amazing. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It's, it's my honor, Chet. Big fan of you. And, uh, yeah, let's do this again. All right, cool. So we got to say... Goodbye, audience. That's what we do at the end of the podcast. So say goodbye. Bye, audience. (laughs) Goodbye, audience.